Recently, NetApp deployed a massive virtual desktop infrastructure on VMware Horizon, all flash fast, and you know it had to be on FlexPod. We bring in the experts to talk about all the dirty details, the lessons learned, and what's next. It's VDI on NetApp. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Pedro Arrow, Brooklyn Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Good afternoon and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast, episode number three. My name is Pete Fletcher, a.k.a. Pedro Arrow, and joining me as always is... El hombre más guapo y fuerte, Señor Glenn Sizemore. Ay, papi. Hey, Glenn. <laughs> How's it going, what buddy? Just what, what, what just happened? Uh, well, you know, honestly, we started playing different sound clips and someone actually submitted a greeting to you. And so it... it I figured I, I got to play it, so I played it. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Whoever did that, you were the best. That's hilarious. And so I decided on that note, anybody who wants to send me privately, don't send it to the uh, podcast email address because Glenn will see it. But if you'd like to send a solicitation to Mr. Glenn Sizemore for the podcast, you can hit me up on Twitter. Sully, how you doing, sir? It is a great day at NetApp. Oh, really? It is. The weather's beautiful. It it actually rained earlier this week. I can stop watering my grass for a few days. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a great day at NetApp. Yeah, this is the best time of the year for—this for, is the time when I don't envy those folks in California or in Florida because they get it too hot. We're nice and cool. We're relaxing. We get a little bit of rain, you know— <laughs> We get rain, unlike California, so that's kind of cool. Well, the past few weeks, we've been talking about very specific products. And on this episode, we're actually going to walk through a recent project that we underwent here at NetApp. The folks that run the engineering infrastructure here, they recently deployed a virtual desktop infrastructure. And so we brought in the experts to talk about some of the hardware, the software, and the lessons learned. So if you like VDI or if you're even considering VDI, this is the episode for you. All right, well, before we get started, let's go ahead and introduce our guests. If you've ever looked into VMware and NetApp for VDI then you've probably heard the name Chris Gephardt. He's written several TRs on the subject. He speaks at NetApp Insight as well as VMware, uh, and uh, he's, he's certainly no stranger to the podcast. Chris Gephardt, welcome back. How you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, Pete. Thank you guys for having us. Yeah, if you don't know him as Chris Gephardt, you might know him as Dr. Desktop. I am not a doctor. <laughs> and sitting next to Chris is Director of Engineering Data Center Services, more affectionately known as Customer Zero here at NetApp, Mr. Tony Leger. Tony, thanks for coming in. Hi, I'm Tony Leger. Thank you for having me here today to tell you about this cool stuff. Awesome. And Chris, I'm guessing you were brought into this project based on your uh, your experience with uh, VDI, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I've uh, I've done a little bit of work in the VDI space over the past eight years or so. Uh, do a lot of technical reports. Uh, now I'm actually into deploying virtual desktops within NetApp, so new experience uh, within uh, customer zero here and uh, got a lot of cool things that we're going to talk about today. Very cool. Yeah, I heard you were going back to being an administrator. Yeah, but, actually, uh, a little bit of architect, a little bit of administrator, a little bit of you know deployment engineer. Yeah. Well, congratulations on actually earning that. that yeah, exactly. That money. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was an incredible amount of work. It's it was it was uh, like the old days, like the PS days when you're out there, eighteen hour days. Uh, it, it's been quite the experience, and and I'm, I'm very happy with the the role I played and, and the role I play at NetApp and uh, being able to contribute to that. Cool. So, Tony, how do you earn your paycheck at NetApp? Well, my job here is to make sure that we provide the engineering IT services to ProtOps. So that means running through data centers worldwide and the underlying lab infrastructures. So 
uh, we're the first ones to actually try the products that are yet to be released. So we run pre-GA. We've got a very large fleet of filers. We've got over 300 petabytes of storage. Uh, we've got about 400 some odd controllers in the fleet, mixture of E-series and, and cluster data on tap. We're about 75% on cluster data on tap, so we've done a hell of a lot of migrations uh, to, to get stuff on there. Very heavy workloads. Our global engineering cloud environment has just surpassed delivering over 300,000 VMs since it started, and it's all backed by CDOT. Our new VED environment is all AFF-based, so it's our first VDI instance that we've got, so it's giving us a new entry point to understand how our technology solves outside customer problems while we're using it in a real-world situation internally. Okay. So, so, Tony, you work with engineering IT, right, which we internally refer to as customer zero, right? You, you guys are the first ones to get the code releases and, and are really pretty aggressive at deploying that. Um, so, so as a former customer, as somebody who, who came from the, uh, the customer side of things, right, how is that different than, for example, NetApp IT? And for those who may not know, for, for listeners who may not know, we actually have two IT departments inside of NetApp. So can you, can you elaborate on that some? Yeah, so uh, customer one is the corporate IT side of the house. So this is where all your big ERP, your email environments, these types of systems, very high importance. So follow a very traditional IT approach to introducing the product there where the level of risk that they can tolerate is a lot lower than what we can take in the engineering side where what we want to have is the, uh, the proverbial let's eat our own dog food in engineering before we release it so that uh, we can tease out early life trauma, bugs in the product, uh, how we actually get it in, how it operates in general, before we find out at a GA, general availability point, where it's kind of late to solve issues. So in the engineering side, we're able to take more risk. That, that doesn't mean that uh, we can't be uh, careless with introducing things. But uh, you know, when we say the product is non-disruptive uh, non operations and non-disruptive upgrades, uh, we will take it when it's deemed ready by the QA teams and start introducing it in a workload environment that it can actually you know, start teasing out it's working. So then we'll progressively move up to the more demanding environments like our build environments or our GEC environments where if it really broke, it's going to impact a lot of people. So we want to kind of take a measured risk approach. Uh, so we like IT, corporate IT, do have to manage risk, but we can take it a lot earlier, and we want to give that feedback, and we found some, some pretty whopping problems uh, in our environment before IT got to it. Hey, Tony, how long have we been running the Customer Zero program within NetApp? Uh, the Customer Zero program started originally under uh, a name called Internal Test, and it predates my time here. I'm coming up on uh, close to five years. Um, but it really wasn't very well organized and was a bit ad hoc. And a few years ago when uh, the leadership said, we really got to buckle down, focus on quality, we really got to get CDOT adoption in, we took a hard look at what we do in the engineering infrastructure side to say, you know what, we can play a strong part in that. So we started looking at what we've got and started organizing. What configs do we have? What do we need to start giving coverage and then start feeding that back more formally into the release process uh, to what it is today? So uh, I'd say yeah, probably close to four or five years of, of increasing maturity there. And we're always kind of looking at how we can improve on things. 
Well, yeah, and if 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 I think back, right, if we go back three, four, or five years ago, I mean, that's that's kind of when uh, that inflection point kind of hit, and and you know, we're, recently we're seeing the benefit of those efforts. You know, we had Jay Goldfinch on a couple of weeks back, and you know, we're we're the doll, the proof's in the pudding. Eight dot three is the highest quality release we've ever had. So clearly, uh, the work that your group is doing is paying off in in, in in pounds here for us. Oh yeah, awesome. Well, you got well. Customer Zero has been busy uh, for the past couple of months on a project that we've been calling internally VED. Uh, and so, Chris, why don't you kick off a little bit about what exactly is VED and how you're involved? Sure. So, VED is a virtual engineering uh, desktop, and basically, we we architected a, a solution for NetApp internal uh, in, internal engineering to uh, do a lot of different things. And, and Tony will explain some of the business benefits that we're seeing from it. But overall, it's a, a global architecture that uh, that allows our, our engineering uh, development staff and some of our, um, you know, support people to get into the engineering environment to be able to conduct their day-to-day business. Okay. Tony, w- what, is in, what is in the VED? What is it made of? Well, the VED is part of our secure engineering environment, otherwise known as the Eng Dome, uh, per popular suggestion in the mill. Uh, but what's in it is a uh, Horizon uh, VDI product from VMware, and uh, it lets us offer up a virtual desktop environment where instead of having intellectual property get all the way out to the desktops and in the hands of partners where maybe they don't really need it off-prem, uh, it, it offers us a better way to protect intellectual property in the company and um, uh, give people some new flexibility in their workflows. We realize we've got some broken workflows right now, and we're working that. But uh, it does allow people to connect and disconnect, and their sessions are intact, which is pretty handy for developers to go set up something and run, go away, come back, and it's still there running for them versus when it used to be on their desktops and, oh, yeah. and things of that nature. So there's some features there, but there's also some maturity level that needs to improve over where we are now. Oh, yeah. We, we've all been there where you, you set something, you kick it off, and you leave it on your laptop, and you're like, hmm, should I leave my laptop at work, or should I? <laughs> well, and I, I think, you know, being close to the data, right? Now the desktop is in the data center, and, you know, before when they were working on a, a remote asset, they had maybe one gig pipe at most. Some had t- 100 meg, and now your data is right next to, to your virtual uh, desktop where you know you're now having a 10 gig pipe between the desktop and the data so things can happen a lot faster as well yeah and there's kind of a twofold benefit there right and that's you know not only are we no longer having the the ip right the intellectual property that's out on a developer laptop you know because there's a lot of projects right people want to go home and, and work on them at home or you know work from the from their home office etc so they have it on their laptop but you know, with those slower pipes, if you will, right, you're pulling it out of the data center, you're pulling it across the WAN sometimes, right? Some of these projects are huge, like gigabytes huge. And, you know, now they sit in the de- in the data center, right? They sit right next to the data. It, it expedites that process, right? We have uh, an internal project known as, as CodeEasy or Bam Bam, which helps facilitate those development environments as well, right? I've been doing some of that work uh, or working with some of those guys on, on containerization and stuff. And, there's a lot of workarounds, and I think some of that has, uh, I don't want to say it's been invalidated, but uh, a lot of that is just not an issue anymore. Well, I imagine there, there, there and, and Tony, please speak up if this is inaccurate, but I imagine there's got to be a benefit from engineering support. Uh, your ability to service our thousands upon thousands of developers worldwide by getting them all in this common pool. Well, it certainly introduced some new challenges for us because uh, we've not historically been in the desktop support business. 
Um, so we're learning how to uh, to deal with that, especially as people customize what's on those VED desktops. Uh, that that introduces a whole new level of challenges for us. Yeah, I kind of want to I kind of want to take this opportunity to say that uh, you know Tony, what what you and your team have done in in literally record time is simply amazing, right? Uh, I mean, not only is it an entirely new th right skill for your team, right, yeah. desktop management, but you deployed it at a rate that is uh, as somebody who's done this before, terrifying. And the outcome has been nothing short of amazing. Yeah. We have seven instances of, of the VED so far and a couple more coming on stream. So, uh, yeah, we've we've managed to figure out the recipe to stamp these things out fairly quickly and, and we continue to add in additional capacity to further round out things like bigger memory footprints for desktops, you know, better better stability in the background as well. Sure. And and just 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 so we can really highlight this for anybody who's listening, right? Today is the the first week of August, the second week of August. When, yep. when did this project start? Um, well, it was a twelve day time horizon from the time that I was involved in a hallway conversation, uh, where senior director of uh, engineering support Al Lawless came to, to you know in. A, got brought into a hallway conversation asking, um, could any VDI product allow us to be able to do X, Y, and Z? And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And uh, he said, uh, so can we have him sign up to help us out? I said, only if we have you know all the networking and all the Active Directory and all the compute and all these things together, right. could we possibly even do this in the, the time frame that we were uh, allocated. And so he's like, it's about a 20,000 seat. Turned out to be a little bit less than that, which is good because that would have killed me. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was, he's like, we need it by next Friday. And this was like Wednesday the week before. And, uh, I said, I'll do whatever I can to help the company, right? I'm all in. And so I didn't know what I was getting into. And I'm, I'm incredibly glad I had the opportunity to participate. Uh, but it was at that point from, we don't have a architecture to let's get this out the door, right? It was, okay, well, we had uh, an amazing staff of, of engineering support fellows that are, you know, that were doing all that, like, okay, we need, you know, six uh, UCS chassis in this location. We need 10 over here. We need, you know, like, just amazing, like, okay, they'll have it all done by tomorrow morning. Like, you mean you're going to have the infrastructure deployed by tomorrow morning, right? And and I've had conversations with all of a lot of Tony's guys, and none of this would be possible if we didn't deploy it on FlexPod. There was no chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The Glenn, the FlexPod guy, right? There would be no chance that we could have done this at the rate we did unless we had the procedures and process in place already before we even before I even got involved to do this. So, FlexPod really helped save this aggressive time schedule. Our in our infrastructure too, as well, is very heavily. FlexPod based, and that gave us some reassurances too on a lot of members of the items in the tech stack. The team already knew what to do with, and the guys who do all the rack and stack work, yep, they knew all this stuff. So that kind of made it easier. This was a tall order to do, but it made it easier for us to redirect capacity from other parts of the infrastructure to sort of borrow and commandeer <laughs> to actually make this possible. And, and we've submitted orders that are now coming in to replace all the stuff we, we absconded with to make this possible. But, but yeah, a really terrific amount of partnering across a number of teams, our IT team, our corporate IT team, 
all of the different engineering support teams, the EWT teams, the TD direct, the TD community participated in helping make things happen. I mean, it was just phenomenal to see the level of partnering on this. Yeah, so, so in case you missed it, this started in mid-June. 12 days later, we went from zero to 6,000 yeah. desktops. Two months later, right, we are now at 12,000 desktops, and God knows how many iterations yeah. you all have gone through, and, and everything has, has improved. Uh, not that it started off badly, um, but, you know, it, you've learned a lot, right? Well, yeah. So we started out, you know, uh, we, I came into the room. They said, we want to do Linux desktops. And I said, uh, yeah, um, no, I don't think that's a good <laughs> idea. I said, VMware doesn't have support. Well, actually, yes, they do have support for it. And that was last Thursday, right? So it's yeah. we're, we're working with technology that was, uh, like, released a, a couple days ago. And they're like, we need... You know, our engineers need Linux desktops to, to you know, to This is to version 1.0. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, Leading okay. bleeding. Exactly, yeah. right? I mean, there's nothing about this is like what you used to do a year ago, right? Yeah, yeah but, yeah. You, you know, at the same time, uh, I, I actually love the, the fact that it's, it's hectic and a little bit crazy because this is the reality that a lot of our customers live in. Yes. They are also yep. forced to move faster than they're really comfortable doing. And they're forced to make jumps that that the IT team doesn't really know that they're going to be able to land. But they have to jump anyways because the business asks them to. And, and if they don't, they're holding everyone back and they're putting everyone else at risk. And I just think it's awesome that 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 not only did we do the same thing, but we proved our pedigree here. I mean, rolling out a 12,000-seat VDI environment in, in 12 days is insanity. I don't think I've ever heard of that, ever. We keep, we keep yeah. inflating it. It was about six or 7,000 Was it, was it 12 six days. or seven? Yeah. Okay. We've iterated yeah. since then and yeah. added sites. Right? We've so added more sites, so it keeps growing. It keeps growing, but okay. yes. Okay. All right. Well, we're two months into this deployment, so let's do a progress report. Can you guys share with us maybe some of the highlights, lowlights, or lessons learned during this project? I think most of uh, the, uh, the the solution has proven it's solid, uh, but it's also shown that where we have deployed things like Linux, that 1.0 version is really green at this point, and basic things like cut and paste, just even talking with VMware over it, they just couldn't fit it into the release. So it's coming in a future release, but um, our users are suffering a bit because of the lack of that. Uh, but overall, when we start looking at troubleshooting issues, a lot of the times it actually isn't the VED that's the issue at all. Uh, we found issues with some network connectivity, uh, Wi-Fi connectivity, uh, two ways to even just some of the, the setup parameters are, are things that we've learned that we need to understand more. So we're very much in a learning mode still on how to kind of tweak this. Uh, but the system has been quite stable. And we've had a few issues, things like SSO issues that are not VED related, but you know it does affect the user when they try to get on and they can't log in. Uh, so we're 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 getting better at it every day. Well, well and and that's the other thing that that I don't know that we necessarily spelled out, but but you mentioned at the top, Tony, the 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 Eng dome. For the listeners, that dome was dropped the same time that 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 this virtual uh, desktop environment went up. So like you. Uh, when you talk about the scope of effort, like it, I'm still a little bit amazed that it didn't go a lot worse. 
Well, the alternative is nobody works, right? And we had <laughs> yeah. people that, you know, wh- while they were not happy because there's change, right? Any- anytime there's change, that's stressful to anybody, right? Yeah. And and the whole purpose was to mitigate that stress. Well, Chris, I know you've written several technical reports and best practices guides on this very subject, right? VDI using NetApp and VMware. So what was the experience like for you to be part of the team that actually deploys this uh, and basing this off of content that you yourself have produced? Doing it in the lab and doing it in, in, in you know, production are two different things, especially with, with such tight timelines, right? I, I, w- I was in I wouldn't say frustrating because that wasn't the word. I because un- I understood exactly what was being uh, asked of us, uh, asked of me, and asked of you know all the guys I was working with was do this, and we need to get it done by this date. So the the things that I recommend to my customers, right? Do the assessment, understand the workflows, understand your workloads, understand all these things. We didn't have the luxury of being able to do right. It was do this. Your priorities are speed and be and bringing your workers, bringing the the engineers back to working. Right. So there were a lot of things that we couldn't do because we had higher priorities. And so, like assessment, for example, right? We we deployed. Um, uh, you know, uh, we, we would normally go in and talk to a customer, say, we want you to, you know, deploy this software, understand the users, the applications, you know, where, which applications you want to virtualize, w- you know, s- give the workers different profiles, right? Sure. Not everybody needs 8 gig of memory and two vCPUs. Well, we applied a standard across the entire engineering company that says anybody that's in, you know, that's in engineering gets a 2 gig, eight, uh, 2 vCPU and an 8 gig desktop. Right, and so we wouldn't recommend that necessarily. But as far as speed goes, you have to do those ty- types of things. So now what we're doing is we're going back. We're looking at their requirements. We're making you know classes of service so that not everybody needs this. They're not going to get it. People need more. We're going to give it to them. Right. So it's you know kind of the the things for me that were most uh, challenging were not practicing what I constantly preach and what I write in the TRs about deployments. It was about what are your priorities. And so having that other customer side now is like, now I kind of, you know, I'm going to come in and talk to a customer in an EBC and tell them this is what they need to do. But their reality is, is they may not be able to actually do that, right? Because there are other pressures on their business. Sure. So we did things like deploy a thousand desktops per 8080 EF system or 8080 all flash fast. Would I recommend that, uh, you know, a thousand users per node? No, unless the data showed it. So what we're going to go through is a consolidation and redistribution of assets based on what the users are actually now doing. Ah, right? okay. So it's in, instead of taking the uh, the approach of assess, understand, purchase, we're a storage company. It's really easy for us to acquire storage. So that's not our, our challenge. Our challenge was getting it out fast. So we had to do inflate where we had to, and now we'll pull back providing different levels of service, different virtualization of applications to meet the individual user's actual requirements. It's I, it's also easier to uh, kind of ratchet things back and redistribute than go in totally under and totally screw up everybody. So it's yeah. easier to kind of 
come back after and do the tweaking and, and look at refinements and, and get that right. And the good and, and the thing is, is this gear, you know, we'll use this gear elsewhere in the company. But, you know, I always say to, to our customers, either you undersize it and your users have a horrible experience or you oversize it and you pay too much. Well, because our engineering organization is so large and the amount of compute and, and storage and everything that we, you know, are bringing in on a constant basis sure. is so great that, you know what, it's just a it's a it's a hiccup in in the normal refresh cycle, right? So we'll eventually redistribute those resources to the appropriate places. I, I was just thinking back with my customer Zero hat on again, you know, um, our engineering infrastructure is a terrific learning environment. And this has given us yet another application that we really needed to understand. We go out and talk to customers about what we sell. And if we don't even have some of the environments we're trying to sell them, it makes us kind of work with a hand tied behind our back. So I've had to answer that question you know, for a long time. They've said, hey, do you guys use a VDI? And I'd say, eh, not really. Yeah, we've got a little bit <laughs> yeah. over here. Sure. So, so this gives us terrific firsthand experience with how do you do it? You know, what was the good, easy parts that kind of did what you expected to I didn't realize that this was going to become such an issue. And just like uh, Chris was saying about the business pressures being different, you know, every place you go to is going to have different business pressures, and it's going to have to cause you to react a bit differently. So if you've not gone through the exercise of doing it at some level of scale, you don't have enough of the appreciation for what they're kind of walking in their shoes for. So this has been just terrific to kind of have that knowledge and how to work with our partners on what are they bringing out to make that solution better and more manageable so that together we can get a, a, an even stronger solution. Well, I thought one of those more interesting solutions was, was you know, Airlock, you know, the, the solution that we use to move data in and out, right? That, that was something that was, uh, I don't know the details behind it, but it, for me, as somebody who, I'm literally, I, in my previous, previous employment, right, I did a lot of VDI deployments and... You know, it, it was a very innovative solution from my perspective of this is a way to control that in and out. Yeah, uh, you know, along those lines uh, and tying into what you were saying, Andrew, uh, Tony, I'm going to give you a lot of credit here because I think the, the, the biggest reason that this project has ultimately uh, been successful uh, all comes down to the amount of transparency and communication that your organization has had with the rest of us in the company. Uh, you've, you've always been upfront about where we are today, what you hope to accomplish in the next seven days, and, and, and what you did accomplish in the past seven days. Uh, and, and because of that transparency, you know, even though there were some points where there were growing pains, you know, there were points where we didn't have enough memory, there were points where there, there, there were gaps, you know, everyone understood that this, this isn't, you know, someone just making a blind decision. You know, this is a team that's trying to get to, to build a better solution. And, and we have to work with you and you're working with us. And together, it has gotten a lot better incredibly quickly i mean just incredibly quickly yeah all right well chris tell us a little bit about the technical uh, architecture of this how did you design it and what do you i know you're using all flash fast but why don't you walk through the whole the whole stack for us absolutely so um if you haven't read any of my technical reports i would recommend that you look at tr 4335 that's actually the blueprint that i used for architecting this particular solution. So really, really nice that I uh, did this work about a year ago on All Flash FAS. And granted, the architecture kind of is a little bit different based on the um, 
you know, the platforms that were used, the amount of compute, the amount of, uh, you know, uh, memory and CPU that the guests got, the overall architecture was the same, right? It's based on FlexPod, based on the fiber channel protocol, serving out data stores to the ESX hosts, based on, you know, boot from SAN for all the, e the ESX hosts. Um, we use uh, Horizon View 6 uh, version 1.1 uh, with vSphere uh, 5.5 um, and basically built a 2,000-seat pod architecture where we had uh, multiple security servers serving multiple connection servers, uh, load balanced uh, to the end to, the, to a particular address so that the users could come in and hit any one of the security servers, come through, and then get assigned to their pool and to their infrastructure. So... Um, it's a it's something that is you know you can repeat within your environments and within your customers' environments um, fairly rapidly based on this architecture. Um, again, we did use the all flash FAS eighty uh, eighty uh, ex. Um, that choice was we wanted to make sure that there was zero possibility of bottlenecks within the uh, the, the infrastructure. Um, turns out. A lot of our users aren't using a very storage uh, heavy workloads, right? So uh, that's why we're going to go back and look at the actual utilization, right? We, ha we do see spikes at certain periods of time, antivirus, uh, you know, logins, those types of things. But we're investigating that to, to make, you know, better future architectural decisions down the road. Um, we basically did about 200 uh, virtual machines per pool. Uh, which translated into per data store. We used the VAI cloning offload technology for our provisioning. So when we first deployed this, it would it took us eh, for to do RTP, um, just based on the number of pools we had, we had about 60 pools in RTP. It took us, uh, you know, maybe about five or six hours uh, to do these because we did them fairly concurrently. Um, but it was because we had the offload technology, we're not copying data for the, for the persistent desktops. It was all offloaded the storage system, which meant it was, first of all, very space efficient, right? We're using FlexClone. And it was also very, uh, or, or it's not, it's sublun cloning technically. Um, but it was very storage efficient and very fast, right? So something that you couldn't do without that type of uh, offload to the storage system. We do have a couple uh, a couple hundred desktops right now that are non-persistent, and those are for the users that don't that aren't necessarily part of engineering proper, but need to be able to get into some of our web interfaces to look at uh, different uh, data points, whether it's you know uh, our, our BERT system or our wiki uh, engineering wikis or things like that. So we've we've kind of given them a portal into it, and so that's going to be an evolution as well, where we're going to move into um, you know application-based delivery of those particular app uh, of those particular things versus you know having a non-persistent desktop so um, you know today is a, a 1.0 architecture and you know I'm I was just working before here at you know talking with the engineering support teams about kind of where we're going next around you know the application delivery and how do we give our partners access and how do we do all these these next generation things to give overall engineering and, and everybody that we have to deal with a much better user experience. That, that'll that give us that kind of experience. How do we extend things? Because we've got a lot of applications that should be considered for thin apps uh, so that they're all you get is that app. If that's all you need for your job. That's all you should get versus you get a whole desktop where maybe you didn't need to use that much resource for the job you have. Sure. So we've got to learn how to do those things and do them well. Uh, as well as kind of how you tune the system using the VR Ops tool, 
which gives pretty good insight into the workings of the system. And we're doing some pilot stuff with Liquidware as well. That'll give us right down to the individual desktop just how things are performing. So it'll help us with the whole capacity engineering and sizing and, and what other things we should be doing with that infrastructure. Hey, Tony, if you haven't heard, I'm a fan of Liquidware. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, doctor approves. Doctor approved. Well, let this be a warning to all of you that write solution architectures. Your document may well be used in your own company to deploy an infrastructure. <laughs> and you may be the one to do it, so you better yeah. <laughs> you better get it right. Yeah. No, I, I just want to say, you know, thanks to Chris for having had that TR there because it was a document that we were circulating to everybody in the engineering services side to go take a read through to understand what that architecture is all about. And without having a document there that, you know, that kind of starts to paint that picture, you know, that hinders us as well. So people who write TRs, we really appreciate it. Thank you for doing what you do. Awesome. And, and I have to thank you and your team for, I mean, these guys are absolutely brilliant. They made everything so much easier for me. They, they, the, the ability for that, your team to execute was unlike anything I've seen at NetApp yet so far. And I've been here almost coming up on 12 years. You guys yeah. move with we, incredible speed and accuracy. Yeah, we've got an awesome team. Awesome team. So I, I have a bit of a two-part question. You know, so were there any things that were sort of unexpected challenges, right? Th things that you thought would be easy but turned out to, to not be, and then also the inverse of that, right? Things that you thought would be easy but turned out to be challenging. The amount of... Um uh, GPO type of things we had to have in place and still don't completely have in place, kind of uh, understanding how to manage within this new secure environment. So, you know, we had uh, antivirus set to run the first Tuesday of the month. So it happened to run not long after we put it and every, all of a sudden it's scanning everybody at the same time. Good times tanking everybody's performance. So we had a <laughs> lot of people running around killing processes because we didn't have a centralized way to do it. And I, I want to point out that it was the CPU that was the issue, not the storage. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that happen, right, when CPU is, is being used by antivirus, and the antivirus consumes memory. Memory impacts page file, swap file on the storage, right? So while we could sustain it from a storage perspective, you know, at 80%, what have you, not increasing latency much, the uh, other impacts were, you know, felt throughout everybody. So, you know, as you would read in my best practices doc, Again, these are things that we want to stagger, patching, updates, you know, patches, uh, antivirus, things like that. That, Again, we went, we went for speed. We needed to be able to make sure we couldn't take antivirus out, right? So we're going to be making adjustments to make that more VDI-friendly. Other aspects are around load sharing. So for load balancing across that infrastructure behind the curtain, uh, you know, we're learning how we need to do that better. So we've got some work underway to put in some of that capability. But it also kind of highlighted some of the weakness in the offering that we have from, from VMware in capability that we're going to work with them on. What do they got on their roadmap to kind of help with the administration and movement of things? Uh, because, you know, the whole idea of, of a user needing to reset up their vet environment somewhere else is just one example of, of why can't I just take the profile they created and move it somewhere else automatically. I mean, there's, there's things like that that just seem pretty basic that, that aren't there, but it just... It's where we are in, in, in our own maturity of using this and maybe the maturity of those types of solutions in the market that we need to kind of have that firsthand experience to go back to them and say, you know what, 
this could be a lot better from a practitioner's perspective. And that's why having this stuff in, in-house, not only to serve the problem it's solving for us, but that kind of knowledge you don't get without doing it. Reading the brochures does not tell you these in-the-trench type of experiences that we get to go back with the, whichever people, whether it's VMware or our own product management side as to here are the kind of things that we need from you uh, in terms of capability. And one of the things that I'm interested in ultimately is, you know, we've got non-disruptive up upgrades on our ONTAP stuff and non-disruptive operations. You know, how am I going to upgrade this Horizon thing without taking it down? Or is that, that's just the state of the art and I need to work with them on how would we approach that? Because, uh, you know, we've got big environments that are going to rely on this stuff being there and working. Uh, so scheduling downtime is never an easy, an easy proposition. Yeah, no, we, we come with the pitchforks when you start turning stuff off on us. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we're all about that NDO here at NetApp. You may have heard. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we've talked a little bit about about the actual infrastructure itself, uh, the hardware, the software. We've covered sort of the lessons learned. I'm curious, what is in the future for for the VDI deployment here at NetApp? What's on the horizon? Pardon <laughs> no the pun, pun intended. <laughs> well, you know, I think you know, Horizon uh, is continuing to evolve, and it's really a suite of products, right? Horizon View is is the one that we actually deployed, and and they're they've kind of. Uh, They've sunsetted that name, um, but it's around desktop experience, right? It's around providing application with app vols, right? The the ability to, to deliver real time applications to the users, uh, to be able to to app virtualize the applications to deliver those to users. There's a whole lot of things that that this suite will allow us to be able to do. Um, in combination with VR apps and the, the plugins and SRM to be able to replicate and have a DR strategy, you know, replicating uh, uh, with the NetApp and vaulting offsite and be able to do, you know, to have a DR, a, a fully baked DR strategy where, you know, users can bring back VMs and the all the automation of all of that, right? So really bring it to a self-service type of thing. So I know Tony can talk to what his team is doing, but these are just some of the things that I've heard and talking to a lot of the guys that work for Tony um, are talking about. Yeah, the, all, all, the, all that type of stuff, definitely. And, and certainly we got some real basic stuff like continuing to improve on the Linux experience as we pick up new versions of the VMware stuff. Two, we have a number of users that have high-intensity graphics-type applications where uh, the appropriate add-ons to be able to render the type of stuff they're doing in those desktop environments for their workload because people who develop GUIs are not the same that do other type of development work out there. So we need to tailor the environment to those specific types of communities as we move ahead. So we'll be rolling in new capability, but it's also focused on these segments of the community to make sure the solution's getting better for them as we keep moving along. And now let me be selfish a little bit on my part. What I'm mostly uh, what I'm going to be happy about is I'm going to now be able to, to take data from your environment and be able to profile different workloads and different users to be able to say, okay, well, we have these users using these applications, right? It's not like we're the only ones using these apps. These are things that are deployed globally across a lot of engineering companies that, you know, the data that we get can help them in us and, you know, by us engineering solutions to meet their needs. So this is, you know, while it's, it helps us do a lot of different things within our environment. I hope to use this data for how does all these applications impact storage and how can we spread that information to help them architect better solutions for their environments. Well said.
All right, well, there you have it. Customer Zero coming off of their deployment of virtual desktop infrastructure using VMware Horizon 6, all flash FAS, uh, and NetApp cluster data on tap. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming in and sharing all the details with us. Uh, I think it was a great episode, and uh, we look forward to having you guys back. Thanks yeah, for coming. Thank, thank you. Guys. All right, well, gentlemen, why don't we roundtable a little bit and talk a little bit about what your experiences have been with this new VED environment. Andrew, how about you? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I literally, the day that it was announced, I was logging into VED, and uh, the experience was substantially better than I expected. Um, you know, we, we already had a, a corporate image for our desktop and all of that, which I was familiar with. Um, so the environment was familiar, right? There was a delay in the logon because of a, 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 an error, actually, inside of my own personal environment in the way that they, the home directory was moved over, um, which was my own fault. But... Uh, you know, it's, it's really been tremendously good. You know, uh, now I came from, you know, before I was a NetApp employee, I came from an organization where we used virtual desktops exclusively. So for me, this was like going back home, right? Old it so, yeah, it was something that I was already used to. And I, I know, you know, I have a lot of uh, uh, good friends who are developers and, you know, they've been using a Mac for, you know, a decade or more. So for them, it was extremely disruptive, right? They, they were going from something that they were familiar with, right? You have all the usability of a Mac. You have all the different things that they do in there. I don't, I'm not a Mac user. So, <laughs> you know, they, they're, they're these- All those mac things? Yeah, you know, my, my catchphrase is stupid Mac. Um, <laughs> yeah. So- All their Apple scripts? Yeah, so, uh, so for me, it was, uh, it, it, it wasn't that big of a transition, right? All of my resources were available, right? Those guys did- that they knew uh, that they were going to be breaking things that had to traverse from inside to outside, but they were aware of most of them. And they were very forthright. They were very transparent, as was alluded to earlier. And, hey, guys, we know this is broken. We're working on it. And if we miss something, let us know, because we'll work on it to get you back up and running as quickly as we can. Yes, there have been growing pains, but it has been a tremendously positive experience from my perspective. Yeah, I agree. I think the communication was probably one of the, the, the better parts, too, because you know, it's version one, right? This is a brand new deployment, so there's going to be changes, and people people don't like change, as Chris alluded to. Uh, Who but, moved but, my cheese? Right, exactly. Who moved my cheese, right? But but when you get those problems, and, and the, we, we've been getting a weekly email uh, from the team that basically explains this is where we're at, this is what we're working on, and I think that really helps... Uh, and my goodness, in two months, I, I don't hear I don't hear any. I mean, short of the copy paste issue that they're working on with the Linux, I mean, it has been pretty pretty effortless for me. Glenn? Yeah, you know the well. I mean, th there's there's the there's still some stuff that you know I work enough with actual developers where they they still have some gripes. They're 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 working through it. Um, I'm not sure those guys are ever going to be completely happy though. Love you, Brian. For me though, the real takeaway uh, and, and what I would like the listeners to know about is is you know there's a couple of different approaches when you when when you're coming at major projects like this, and and you know I've I've kind of said so multiple times in this very show so far, but just to reiterate, I am of the opinion that the reason that this project has been as successful as it has been, and let's be clear, it has been a just unbelievable success, right? In in less than a less than a quarter. We went from virtually a completely open network where, where the vast majority of, of data was, was on end user devices to a completely secured environment where we know where all our data is at all times and we know where it goes and who put it there when, when they make that move, right? That is a drastic change. Uh, and, and to execute it in the time that it was done uh, with, with the minimal actual disruption that it, that it really caused, right? I mean, there was, there was like a week where people were basically like, well, I can't really get any work done. But, but then 
once they they cleared through that initial hurdle, you know, the water started flowing again and and the team started working. And I'm of the belief that the reason that that happened was because of the iterative approach that EngSub took, engineering support. Uh, the, the fact that customer zero sat down, as I said earlier, you know, we all get everyone who works for NetApp who, who's in engineering. We get our friendly email at some point late Friday uh, that, 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 you know, a couple of pages about here's where we're at. Yep. This is what we've done. This is what we're going to do. And this is where uh, this is what's working. This is what isn't working. It's completely transparent. We know what their pain points are. They know what our feedback is. And because of that, we've been able to incredibly quickly identify the things that actually matter and separate that from, from the list of, well, I'd likes, right? Because there's, there's a million I'd likes. And, and, and that kind of gets back to my, my, my comment a minute ago about, you know, the developers still aren't, aren't, aren't completely pleased, you know, because as Andrew said, some of them have never used Windows before, right? You know, and now that they're being forced to develop inside a Windows or Linux environment, uh, that's, that's a pretty big change. But, you know, at the same time, by, by identifying the things that were actually preventing them from being productive and separating that from the, but I liked it before like this. Um, because we had that two-way communication, we were able to find those things faster and, and, solve, uh, and solve what could be solved and then provide transparency when there were obstacles that just simply couldn't be jumped at this time, right? There was no way around them. Um, if you're looking for a way to do a major project, I'm telling you, this is how to do it. Uh, and, and it's... Honestly, this is what all the research is. This is what DevOps is, guys. This is what, what agile development is. This is what, what the heart of, of uh, project planning in the 21st century is. This is how you're supposed to be doing IT right now, especially if you want to maintain that, that agility that everyone's chasing. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, if you want to learn more about VDI on NetApp, uh, a good place to start would be to go to Chris Gephardt's TR, the one they used for that deployment, which is TR4335. Uh, NetApp All Flash Fast Solution for Persistent Desktops with VMware Horizon View. We'll be sure to put that on the uh, show notes. Also, if you want to talk to Chris in person about VDI or anything else VMware, he's going to be at VMworld as well as NetApp Insight. I know he's got sessions uh, at both of those trade shows, uh, but he's also going to be working the booth. So uh, be sure to register for the NetApp sessions at VMworld uh, and, uh, and come and say hi to both us and, and Chris. Uh, we look forward to seeing you there. Anything else, guys? Oh, yeah. We got some news, buddy. We sure do. What happened? Uh, we won a couple of awards. <laughs> That's right. And, and by a couple, I mean, here, let me just quote the uh, official NetApp uh, a Twitter account here. At Lee Caswell and NetApp, hit, hit for the cycle and bring home an FMS Best of Show award. I like that. Oh, yeah. We brought, we brought home three uh, Innovation Leader Awards from the IT Brand Pulse uh, as voted by the IT Pros. Uh, we won uh, Best All-Flash InfiniBand Array, uh, Best All-Flash NAS Array, and Best All-Flash Unified Array. Uh, and then we're honored with the Best of Show Award for the most innovative uh, customer implementation uh, for our work with Global Eagle Entertainment. Nice. Yeah, I saw on Twitter, the first time I saw it, I saw a picture of, uh, <laughs> of Lee Caswell holding the awards in his hands, and the, and the title said, Lee Caswell, quote-unquote, I like winning. <laughs> well, it's, it's you know, the, the proof's in the pudding, guys, right? We've been saying this stuff for the better part of a year and a half. There's marketing, and then there's actual customers getting problems solved. Right. Uh, I point at, at, at this and say, there you go. Any questions? Yep. Very cool. We got to get. Uh, we need. I know. I've been wanting to get Val Berkovici in anyway to just talk about 
anything cloud because the guy's awesome. Uh, but maybe we should also try and get Lee Caswell in one day. I know he's got a lot to say. He's been blogging a lot, and uh, he's really uh, he's been a big, a great advocate for NetApp. So I'd love to have him on. Yeah, Val is literally presenting at the Flash Memory Summit this very second as we record. Otherwise, we would have got him in here for this show. But I think that's a great idea. We need to get Lee and, and Val in here as soon as we can. All right, well, that music tells me it's time to go. And so if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast.netup.com or subscribe to the podcast either on SoundCloud or iTunes at Tech on Tap. And until next time, bye for now. Oh, guys, by the way, I have sticker news. Give me good news, man. I just finished placing the order, and we will be coming to VMworld armed with Tech on Tap podcast stickers. Yes, sir. Awesome. Glad you got that done. Thanks a lot, man. Oh, yeah. What size did you go with? I got three inch by three inch round, so perfect size for your laptop. Did I tell you to fix my computer? Oh, you got, you got Windows 10 finally working? Yeah, it's working. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah. I got all three of them back up. It, it turned out to be my bad. I thought B.